This morning's reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, Serve him only and take oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees that he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord, our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Thanks, Tom. My friends, I can, um, I can tell from the way that, uh, that Mel and Josh care for little Addison that, uh, that they love her very, very much. I can see it in the way they look at her, uh, speak of her, 
provide for and protect her, even in the way they've had her baptised here today. And the same goes for Remy. They love their little children. They treasure them. Of that, there is absolutely no doubt. But the same goes for all our young families, doesn't it? It would be a rare exception to find a mother who doesn't love and cherish her own child, or a father who doesn't have affection and concern for his own daughter or son. And that continues as our kids grow. The relationship evolves as they get older. But one thing that never changes is that our own children are precious and hold a very special place in our hearts. And I saw evidence of that here on Thursday night at our parents' forum. Mums and dads came because they love and value their kids. Psalm 127 says this, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And in John 16, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. No parent should need to be told to love their own children. We can understand this, can't we, whether we have kids of our own or not. But my friends, if that is true, then surely our deep, heartfelt affection for our kids will also translate into a deep, heartfelt desire for them to grow, to know, trust and serve the Lord. Surely the thing that we want most of all for our kids, more than a good education and a successful career, more than toys and sports and good times, more than friendships, popularity and even good health, is that our children will experience God's love, will put their faith in Jesus as their saviour and will one day rejoice with us in the glory of heaven. Surely, if these things are of utmost importance in our own lives, then they will also be of utmost importance in our parenting. I mean, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 18, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And in chapter 19, did he not say, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. How absolutely vital it is to lead our little ones to Jesus. But that brings us to our hot topic for today. Because someone has asked us to address the theme, raising children in a world increasingly against the Lord. Now I'd like to make a proviso, because I'm a little bit wary of saying that the world is increasingly against the Lord. That could imply that there was a time when our society wasn't against the Lord, or that things today are more depraved than ever before. But that's not the case. My friends, the world has always been against the Lord 
And there have been many times in history that have been just as bad, if not worse, than today. However, I think the point is that our current society is changing rapidly. And so Christian parents and children, while facing similar challenges to what they always did, are now seeing those challenges present themselves in new and different ways. And clearly, central to that is technology. With the coming of computers, the internet, social media and smartphones, our world has changed dramatically. Instead of just living in the direct environment of our family and friends, our neighbourhood and church, we, and increasingly our kids as well, now live life online, connected to anyone and everyone all of the time. And so flowing from this comes a raft of new issues. There's lack of physical activity, information overload, cyberbullying, gaming addiction, easy access to pornography, obsession with self-image. There's decreasing ability to communicate and form friendships, increasing fear about global issues, growing outrage against anyone who thinks differently to the prevailing agenda and a resulting rise in mental health problems of many kinds. But my friends, most concerning for us, there is a narrative underlying all of this that overwhelmingly speaks against Christian beliefs and against Christian morals. And so kids today can have a far more consistent voice in their ear than ever before telling them to throw away their faith. And so it's hardly surprising that parents are facing new and different challenges. But yet the underlying problems are still the same as they've always been. And so the solutions are the same as well. We just need to apply them in this new technology-driven context. And so the, the question that we want to consider this morning, which is also the title for my sermon, is this. How do we keep our kids close to God when the world wants to tear them away? If we truly love our children and want more than anything else to see them trusting Jesus, then how do we help them to do that in this modern world? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is going to sound blatantly obvious, but yet it's far too often ignored. And that is, my friends, that we need to parent actively and intentionally. What do I mean by that? Well, I think it's becoming more common for people to parent passively and randomly. They're increasingly concerned with their own lifestyle, their own needs and desires, goals and ambitions. And so while they love their children, they yet see them as a bit of an inconvenience. And so they leave the real raising of their kids to others, to the grandparents, the childcare centre, the school, or whoever it may be. Or they don't really raise them at all, but quite literally leave them to their own devices. In my day, we spoke of kids being raised by the television. Today, it's the tablet or the phone. We live in a day when mothers and fathers prefer to be their child's friend rather than their parent. They see boundaries and discipline as harmful instead of loving. They let kids make the decisions and set the rules. 
In whatever form it takes, passive parenting puts little effort into spending quality, personal time with your own children in order to communicate, direct and train them so that they're prepared for life in this world. But Christian parents could fall into the same trap, couldn't they? We don't only want to raise our children in general, but we want to raise them to trust and obey the Lord. But will that happen by osmosis, without any effort? Will they learn it from their friends, or will they learn it from the internet? Can we just leave it to others, to Sunday school, or youth ministries, to the Christian school, and so on? Listen to God's word, Proverbs chapter 22. Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 29. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Or what about Paul's words to Timothy? I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." My friends, the Bible speaks often of fathers and mothers called to teach and discipline their children, to impart and communicate the truth of the gospel, and to guide and correct them when they go astray. And this simply cannot be done passively by a parent who is disinterested, uninvolved, or absent. It needs to be our highest priority to actively raise our children in the ways of the Lord. This is where our text from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is so helpful. Even though it was written so long ago, this chapter speaks beautifully about God's salvation. The Lord reminds his people how he, the one true God, graciously brought them out of slavery in Egypt and would now take them into his promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he reminds them that they are called to respond by loving and fearing him, serving him and observing his commands. But the Lord also warns them that if they forget him and forget his salvation, following other gods like the world around, that his anger will burn and they will not enter his land. Isn't that just an amazing foreshadowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ? For he came in grace to rescue us from our slavery to sin. And he has promised us eternal life and blessing in the Father's kingdom. But we too are called to respond in faith and in love, in service and obedience. For if we turn from him and follow the world, we too will be eternally lost. But did you notice when Tom read this chapter how intertwined with this 
glorious message, a, a clear instructions to train and disciple your own children. Verse 2, you've been taught these things so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. Verse 7, impress these commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And also verse 20, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees and laws that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, tell him, tell him the salvation story. This is not passive parenting. This is realising just how vital it is to pass on our faith to our daughters and our sons. It's actively doing all we can to impress upon them the importance of God and his salvation. It's talking to them about it personally in everyday life. It's keeping it always before them every single day. And it's using their questions to tell them with joy about the Lord and all he has done. Are you raising your children actively and intentionally to know the Lord and to put their hope in him? I plead with you to think about this today. Our kids are so incredibly precious. So we, won't we do our utmost to lead them to Jesus and to his salvation? But now the other thing that we want to do this morning is think about what that might look like in reality. What it looks like in our modern world. What does it mean in practical terms for a faithful Christian parent to keep their children close to God? And I'm going to briefly mention a dozen things. First, we need to be a model to our children of true Christian faith. We cannot pass on, my friends, what we do not have ourselves. But we also will not pass it on if we keep it to ourselves. So if you have a genuine trust in Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord, then make sure that that's overflowing in your life. Don't hide it away. Don't act like it's no big deal. Show them how Jesus gives you peace and joy and assurance and confidence, and meaning, and perspective, and how he sustains you in both the good times and the bad. For my friends, if we share our living faith with our kids, then the chances are good that they will trust him too. Second, we need to be a model of a true Christian lifestyle. If you act all holy on Sunday, but everything changes on Monday, then no one is going to pick up a Pick up on that more quickly than your own kids, I promise you. Now, I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm talking about sincerely seeking to live God's way, never embracing sin willingly, and also by admitting when you're done wrong. If you show your kids that you think it's okay to blaspheme or to gossip or to be angry or crude or dishonest, well, they're very quickly going to be put off by your hypocrisy. 
We need to walk our talk if we want our kids to be attracted to the Lord. Third, we need to get our priorities straight. If you teach your kids that money is more important than Jesus, well, then they won't value him very much either. If you teach them that sport or work or holidays or achievements or alcohol or renovations or even your phone or even anything else is more important than Jesus, then they will not value him either. For they will learn their priorities from you whether good or bad, and those priorities may well stay with them the rest of their lives. Show your kids what it really means to put God first, to love the Lord with all your heart and soul and strength. Next, we need to soak our children in the Bible. For the training and instruction of the Lord has its basis firmly planted right here. And so we need to help them to value time that is spent in God's Word. We need to get a good quality children's Bible and read to them from the earliest age. We need to instill the importance of family devotions. We need to teach them Bible stories, but also show them how they point to the Gospel. We need to give them their own Bible when they're ready. And we need to teach them how to read it for themselves. Fifthly, we also need to bring God's word to bear on everyday life. As kids start to learn the message, they'll start to see the connections to real situations. There might be a lesson about why bad things happen in the world, or about forgiveness, or about how to treat other people. Your son comes home with something he heard at school, And you assess it together in the light of the Bible's teaching. You watch a movie with your daughter and afterwards talk about what God's Word has to say about what you saw. Don't ever allow your kids to think that the Bible is irrelevant. Show them how it applies in every part of life. The next next aspect of keeping our kids close to God is discipline. They don't only need to learn to trust in Jesus, but also to obey Jesus. They need to learn right and wrong. But that won't happen by accident. If we ignore bad behaviour, well then they'll think that it's acceptable. If we sit back crossing our fingers, hoping they'll come right, well they probably won't. If we even reward it through bribery, it'll become ingrained. The Bible calls parents to teach their children how to behave and correct them when they don't. That's what loving discipline is all about, keeping our kids on the right track, helping them to love that right track so that ultimately they do not turn from the Lord. Next, I want to mention something particularly relevant to our modern day. As parents, we must guide and protect our children in respect to this digital age. We need to think very carefully about how we will control what they are exposed to and when. We need to think about the devices we'll allow, what they can be used for, and where they can be accessed, and so on. 
I mean, you wouldn't send your 10-year-old, would you, into the red light district on their own? So why would you do the equivalent online? There's so many ungodly influences trying to tear our children away. But yet they need to learn to interact with this modern world. And so we have to teach them discernment. And we have to teach them wisdom when it comes to these things. Now, eighth, we need to teach our children to love church. We need to prioritise corporate worship. We need to be positive about it. And we need to help them to participate in it. I mean, if you only come when there's nothing better to do, or you spend Sunday lunch criticising the service, or you never make any effort to help them engage, well then don't be surprised if eventually they hate it. But we also need to help them to love the people, to get involved, to feel part of the church. And my friends, if you do, if you teach them enthusiasm, then they will carry that with them all their days. Next, we also need to teach our kids to care about others. I think we all know that babies come into this world essentially selfish, and that's exactly how they'll stay if we don't help them to look beyond themselves. Maybe some of the problems in society today stem from that very issue. But that is not the Lord's way. We need to teach our children how he wants us to love our neighbour as ourselves, to care about each other, to have compassion on the needy, and how we need to share the gospel with the lost. The tenth way to keep our children close to God is by making use of the church's ministries. Here at Riverbank, we have a variety of children's and youth programs, all designed to support parents in their task. These ministries can help your kids to love the Lord and to love the church and to love the lost, but only if they're there. And so I want to urge you to get your kids along and to get them excited. Talk to them about what they're learning. Talk to them about how they can be a good helper and an example and an encouragement to others. Now, I'd also encourage you to make use of other Christian resources. Teach your kids, my friends, to love Christian music. I mean, the Wiggles are great, but Colin Buchanan is better. Get them reading Christian books and watching Christian movies. Enroll them in a Christian school. Send them to Christian camps. Get them to youth convention or a mission trip or whatever it might be. There are so many things that we can do to help our children to grow in their faith. But it's up to us as parents to make it happen. But now the twelfth and the final thing that I'd like to mention this morning is prayer. And there's two sides to this. First of all, we need to teach our children to pray. It's just so important that if they are going to own their faith for themselves, that they need to learn to spend time talking to their God. But secondly, my friends, we need to pray for our children. For even if we do all these things that I've mentioned this morning and we do them perfectly, the end result is still in God's hands. Only he can protect them and only he can save them. And so we must plead with him to have mercy on our kids, 
and to open their hearts to believe. Trust me when I say no one will pray for your children more than you do. So bring them before the Lord our God. So friends, there's no doubting that just like Mel and Josh, we all love our kids. And even if we don't have kids of our own, surely we love our kids here in this church family. But if we do, then surely our highest priority is to keep them close to God. You know, I for one would prefer that my children were poor, unsuccessful and unpopular than that they would be lost forever. And so let's not be passive, but active. Let's do all we can to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And my friends, I hope these 12 practical steps are a help and encouragement to you today. Maybe hearing these things has helped you to see that you are on the right track and doing these things. But maybe they have challenged you to make some changes in your life, in your family. I want to urge all of us as parents and as a church to value our children and to do our utmost to impress upon them the message of Jesus and his salvation. Let's start when they are young, but keep going when they are old. Let us rejoice when they walk with the Lord, but yet not give up when they don't. Let's pray for our kids every single day. For our God is a God of mercy and his promises are for us and our children and for their children after them. And so let us make it our highest priority to keep them close to the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how challenging it can be to bring up our children and all the more so in this modern world that we live in. But Father, we're so thankful that you do not change and that you are always there and that we do not do it on our own. You are a God of power, but you are also a merciful God and you love our kids even more than we do. And so Father, we pray, please help us to indeed bring them up in your ways. Help us to impress the gospel upon them talking about it when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down and when we get up, over dinner, in the car and wherever we might be. And Lord, we pray for our children and for all the children of this church. Please work in their hearts. Reveal yourself to them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and bring them to a faith of their own. Lord, may they be the very next generation of your people, trusting and serving and being witnesses for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.